Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to the Cloudcast. This is Aaron. It's just me tonight. Uh, Brian had a last-second commitment, so uh, he'll be joining us next time. But tonight, we're going to dig into this kind of next generation of, of ops and continue with a trend we really like here recently of the sassification of where applications and operations are really starting to blur together. And to talk a little bit more about this subject this evening, I'd like to introduce Karthik Rao, founder and CEO of SignalFX. Welcome to the show, Karthik. Thank you, Aaron. It's great to be here. So it was actually interesting. We we know some folks over at your company very well, and, and we were kind of talking of like, when do we talk to you? Do we talk to you like the day you come out of stealth? When you you know, for those that don't know, you came out of stealth about two weeks ago or so now. Yeah. Um, and we kind of like we, we took a step back and we're like, all right, let let everything kind of blow over, and then we'll kind of dig in a little deeper than maybe some of the the initial stuff. So, got a lot of questions for you th- this okay, evening. Great. But but before we do, like for those that aren't familiar with Signal Effects, give a quick overview of the company and the problem you're trying to solve. Sure. Uh, SignalFX is a SaaS monitoring solution. Uh, our team, including my co-founder, Philip Liu, and, uh, we took a lot of our sort of lessons learned from what it meant to build monitoring at scale at a company like Facebook and saw an opportunity to build a company that could do that for the rest of the marketplace. And the thesis uh, behind our company is that monitoring is now an analytics problem. And as the world moves more and more towards uh, distributed microservices architectures and uh, SaaS deployment models, um, the applications tend to be a lot larger. And simply alerting when an individual node fails just it creates a lot of noise. And it, it's not sufficient to really detect proactively when you have a problem in your application. And more and more organizations are moving towards uh, collecting all the data across all these different applications and nodes, uh, but sending it into some sort of a data analytics service, be it an open source time series database or a solution like SignalFX, where you can start to detect patterns and trends in your data. Uh, and that has turned out to be a much better way of monitoring these distributed applications. Um, but the challenge is it takes a lot of work and effort to build an infrastructure that can handle uh, you know, large volumes of metrics and build the kinds of analytics pipelines that most people care about. Uh, so we thought that as a company, we can solve that problem for people and let them focus really on interpreting their data and uh, you know, monitoring their systems um, the way that they'd like to. So it's, what's really cool about it, and I was digging into all of this uh, since you all kind of announced everything, um, it, it is truly a different way to really think about a lot of this um, from many different standpoints, actually. There is the, the, the concept of really, as we move to a more distributed architecture, this idea of monitoring services, not servers or, or infrastructure, really. And, and as we're monitoring this huge amount of distributed systems, the more data you have flowing out, it, it very much becomes kind of a needle in a haystack scenario, correct? Yeah, that's right. It becomes a lot more important to identify the relevant patterns and then to be able to drill down very quickly to identify uh, the root causes. Um, and that, that we really believe is an analytics problem, right? So, so give me a kind of a little bit of, you did mention it briefly in, in kind of that intro there, but a little bit of background of the team, um, because when you, when you want to go, distri- go tackle these big distributed problems, that really takes kind of a, a 
both an applications at scale mindset as well as a pretty heavy operations mindset because you know one of the I come from an infrastructure background and one of the number one things we'd always say is everything breaks at scale um, <laughs> and and how do you keep that from happening right and what are some of the kind of lessons learned that that you're bringing to this this area yeah well I think there there are sort of multiple elements to this right it's like is you, there's infrastructure at scale but there's also the fact that every organization today wants to enable their developers to move quickly, right? Where you can have agile methodologies and developers can push changes out every day if they want to, and you can be very responsive to your your marketplace. But I think you know Netflix has this saying that you know with freedom uh, comes responsibility. Uh, I think they say that a lot in their conferences and such. And I think that there's a lot of truth to that, right? If you're going to give developers uh, the freedom to basically push changes out directly into production environment uh, and allow them to do code pushes every day, you also need a system that allows them to have some ownership and accountability for the changes that they're introducing. And that's a big change in today's environments versus 20 or 30 years ago where software was more typically thrown over the fence and someone else would have operational responsibility for it. And so a monitoring system has to account for both like how do you scale and deal with these elastic infrastructures where you know you're adding nodes, you're removing nodes, and these are large distributed environments? That's one big problem. But the other problem is you also need a mechanism for developers to have insights into the changes that they're introducing. Uh, and we we kind of think of it it's like you know the way that marketing people need business intelligence solutions uh, to understand how their users are engaging with their site. Developers need an application intelligence solution to understand the impact of their changes, you know, which APIs are being called, what is the latencies, you know, what do the latencies look like uh, for users from uh, region X connecting to service Y with Android devices versus iOS devices, which customers are taxing my APIs the most frequently and in the most unusual ways. Those are just as relevant for operations as is a machine up or down. So you kind of have to look at both sides of the of the equation, enabling developers to get the insights into what's happening to their applications on an ongoing basis, and then also having the ability to, to process uh, you know large amounts of data and understand what's happening uh, to these services as they scale up, uh, because they're all becoming quite large these days when you consider how easy it is to spin up extra capacity. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, that's a fantastic point, and. What's probably interesting too is maybe to dig a little little bit deeper into all of the kind of terminology here because I think it is one of those like at, at the end of the day people will go oh well th- this is just monitoring and but it's actually not because it's really peeling back the, all of the different subtle subtleties uh, underlying all of this and and what I mean by that is like first of all you have this concept of streaming analytics and why should companies like care about getting analytics and building it like an analytics engine into a monitoring platform when historically that hasn't been done? And is it just because of the nature of the distributed systems? Like what made that that next leap forward, if you will? Yeah, well, so when you look at a modern distributed app, so let's say you have a service that has 20 nodes in it. Most people building today's applications assume that um, you know, you, there may be a, a node might die at any given time. So applications are designed generally to be more resilient to hardware failure, VM failure, container failure, right? And so if one node out of a 20-node cluster dies, maybe you load balance your, your sessions onto the remaining 19 uh, nodes. So in that kind of an application environment, what happens when one out of your 20 nodes goes down or has a problem in the middle of the night? Do you want to page your operations team? 
right? If you were doing traditional monitoring where every, you're doing a health check on every single node, you're going to get a failure on one of the nodes, and then you have to decide, is that important enough to page someone in the middle of the night? Well, w is it relevant or not? And you know, if it's a lightly loaded application and no one is on and one node goes down in the middle of the night and all the other sessions are load balanced to the remaining 19, it's probably not a problem and you don't want to wake that the ops person up in the middle of the night. But if you're TurboTax and it's April 14th, an hour before filing deadline, um, maybe one node out of 20 going down is a real problem. Uh, the, the challenge is that's not the right signal to be monitoring. What you really want to be able to look at is a higher level metric, which is, you know, what is the response time for the key API calls into that service? And how long is it taking to process requests? And is the 95th percentile of that across the entire service, you know, exceeding a key value that I know my users are going to start complaining? The challenge is it's been very difficult to calculate that immediately. People have been collecting that data and they've been dumping it into logs, they've been dumping it into time series databases, and they may be able to retroactively go back and see what the trends have been in the previous day or the previous week. Or maybe if you're progressive, you can look at it 15 minutes, 30 minutes uh, aged, but that's still not sufficient for monitoring. So when you have a streaming analytics service like ours where you can take all of that data and immediately calculate the aggregate metrics and spit that out within seconds, now you can actually start to monitor these aggregate signals, and that becomes a lot more important. Uh, and so you can imagine if you have an alert that says that the 95th percentile exceeds you know, a key SLA threshold, and you get that within seconds of it happening across your 20-node cluster, then you know you need to page someone, whether it's in the middle of the night or the middle of the day. It doesn't matter. You know you have a problem across your user base. Yep, and, and what's interesting there is... I read a number of interviews that that, that you actually did um, right around launch day, and I want to say it was our, our buddy Alex over at New, the New Stack that it was in that one. But it was you had an interesting comment on one of the articles that it, it's the equivalent of credit card fraud yeah. of. If somebody's already taken your card and they've already bought ga gas in California and some lumber at Home Depot, which by the way happened to me like two or three months ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you only find out after the fact and your card gets canceled and you, you know, it's who cares, right? Because the problem already happened as opposed to you want something that is you're getting proactively up front, like you're getting the alerts of, hey, there's a charge in California. Is this you and is this a problem, right? Getting smarter before the fact. Is that is that kind of a correct way to to put it? Yeah, it's a good it's a good analogy, right? Because it, I think the, although the use cases and the technologies are, are a little bit different, I think the same principle applies, right? Where uh, when credit card companies are monitoring every transaction, they're comparing it to some historical pattern, and if something looks unusual, they're able to flag it instantaneously. And that being able to flag it instantaneously is very important. Um, because then you can catch an issue as it's happening and you can be proactive about it. And the same thing really applies to monitoring of distributed systems where it's a lot more about anomaly detection today than it is about an entire service being down. And so if you can collect all this data, you can compare it to historical norms and patterns and you can flag what looks to be unusual as it's happening, you can be a lot more proactive in dealing with issues and addressing them before your users are really impacted. Um, so I think it's a it's a very apt uh, analogy in my mind. One other to kind of go back to your background for for a second. So you mentioned actually in, uh, in one of the intro videos that that at the end of the day you're a company that builds services for distributed systems, which we've already talked about. But at the end of the day, those distributed systems really are run more by 
by product teams or, or development teams, not necessarily what we would consider IT or, or operations a lot of time. And you were previously at VMware. And, and so talk a little bit about the mindset of supporting a product team versus supporting a more traditional IT or operations team and and how do you like for when you're trying to bring a product to market how do you get new ideas or or, or, or feedback like how is that different from the last time with VMware well I'd say the biggest difference is that in this world when you're dealing supporting product teams your customer is always going to understand their application better than you do right and that's a big change as a vendor it used to be if you were a monitoring company and you were selling uh, a solution to monitor Oracle or SAP as the vendor, you probably had a better relationship with Oracle or SAP. You did your quarterly roadmap briefings with them. You knew everything about kind of what to monitor across thousands of customers. You've got a lot of insight. And then you sell the fact that you understand that application better than uh, you know an IT administrator somewhere else in the world, and they can take your expertise and benefit from it immediately, right? That doesn't work in today's environments when you're selling to you know tools to help SaaS vendors or the developers of the application manage their own apps. Uh, so it's a very different mentality. What you have to do is you have to get out of their way, and you have to give them the flexibility to do all the things that they want to do. And so, example in the monitoring world, uh, we support all sorts of different instrumentation approaches. Uh, we don't come in and say we have a proprietary agent or you have to use our agent. You have to monitor the things that we care about. We basically tell our customers, anything you care to track, you can track. We're going to focus on giving you the plumbing so that whatever analytics you want to do, you can use our engine to do that. And you can look at any metrics that you care about. And we're going to give you the tools to help you discover patterns and discover anomalies. But we're not going to tell you what those are exactly. We're not going to be prescriptive about it. And I think it's very important when you're dealing with development product organizations to give them that flexibility because otherwise they're going to build their own tools because they want that freedom and they want that flexibility. Uh, but if they find a vendor that gives them the freedom and flexibility that they want but provides a service in areas where they don't want to invest time, then that's, that's basically, I think, the, the mindset shift that has to happen is you service product organizations versus IT organizations. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic point. And, it, it, and we'll put a link to it in the show notes. Actually, we, uh, Brian and I were kind of digging through the API guide a little bit um, or some of the API documentation. And, and yeah, that really comes down to, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're thinking about things differently. And again, going back to that kind of theme of subtle differences where – we're not necessarily tracking events anymore. We're more tracking metrics, and those metrics could come in from applications, from message queues. You know, basically, what are the metrics you want to to kind of pump into the system, if you will? And then how and where does that bubble up? Um, is that kind of a correct way to look at it or to think about it? Yes, you can. You know, our, our model is uh, the product organizations decide whichever metrics they want to send in, they can send in. Uh, and typically, we find product organizations know what they care about. There may be, you know, one one week you're doing a sprint to improve performance of a certain service, and you want to track certain latency metrics. You want to see how it's being used, and how many requests you're getting, and which APIs are being used. So it's it's uh, it's a very flexible system, and and you can really instrument any metrics that you care about. Let me ask you this then. So so there's if we're kind of talking, you know, two subtle things again. How is the API secured, first of all? And then second question is, since we're more talking about metrics and, and talking through APIs, like how is that concept of metrics different from 
your traditional just going in and gathering logs or events and and you know f- kind of forwarding that information on like how does the the data transport different yeah let me address the the second question first so on logs there's a big difference between logs and metrics and i, I don't think anyone will say that a metrics based approach to monitoring replaces logs entirely i think there's certainly a, a significant set of use cases for which you can use a direct metric system instead of logs Logs are great for, they're completely unstructured, and they're great for finding that needle in a haystack when you're troubleshooting, when you're doing forensics. It gives you the depth that you really need to figure out, you know, what what happened. But there's a cost to that, right? You have a completely unstructured log, and you've got to do a lot of post-processing work if you want to do any analytics around it. The benefit of metrics is you put in a little bit of thought ahead of time of what you want to track. You put in a little bit of structure. But in exchange for that, you can immediately interact and engage with that data, and you can do fairly sophisticated analyses on it, right? So I may know, you know, 80% of the time I know I care about a certain subset of metrics. I want to look at certain latency metrics, and I want to track those latency metrics by customer and by data center and by client, connected client, you know, iOS versus Android versus, uh, you know, desktop. And I'm going to submit those metrics, and I want to be able to instantaneously look at percentiles, rate of change, uh, and slice and dice on those dimensions. Uh, By using a metrics-based system, you can immediately engage and interact with that data uh, and build aggregations in real time if you're using a streaming system like SignalFX. Uh, And so that's the benefit that you get out of a metrics-based system. Uh, And so what we found is when you have a system like that, people tend to use that a lot more for monitoring and not use logs as much for monitoring, but use logs more for forensics and root cause analysis. So that that essentially becomes the divergence that we see once people have both systems in place. Did that answer that question? Yep. No, that, that's fantastic. Um, I really like that. And the, we talked earlier about the, this, this shift from kind of IT to product groups or development groups. Your co-founder mentions that, that developers are, are kind of they really are closer to production than ever before with, with the latest methodologies that we're using to, especially with these distributed systems to bring applications to market. What does that mean for the overall evolution of tools and the kind of how application developers are really thinking these days? Well, I think what we find is that uh, developers are a lot closer to operations, but typically there there are specialized teams that are handling operations. They just tend to have more of a development skill set. Uh, so what we find typically here when we're dealing with SaaS companies is there is an infrastructure engineering team that is developing a suite of tools to provide all of the other engineers. Uh, so at Facebook, they had infrastructure engineering, and we see that that. Uh, you know, group appear in a lot of companies here. And they're engineers, but they're looking at configuration uh, management deployment tools, they're looking at monitoring tools, they're providing a lot of those as a service to the rest of the development team. Uh, and so there's still some specialization. And, you know, some people call it DevOps in the enterprise. Uh, I think in the tech community it tends to be more infrastructure engineering or just operations. So at, at the heart of it, it's kind of what I was mentioning before, you have to provide, when you're dealing with people with more of a development skill set, you have to assume that they're going to understand their applications very well, and you have to provide them tools that kind of get out of their way. And I think this is a reason why open source is so popular in the SaaS community, because developers feel you know they can collaborate with other contributors in the project, they get complete visibility if there's a performance issue or a problem, and they can really dig in and understand what's going on. Um, so we have a philosophy at SignalFX that you know any software that we're providing to a customer to run on their premises, any collectors or 
aggregators are all open source because that's the you know what a, a development team needs so they can feel comfortable that they understand everything that's going on and they can contribute to it. And so I think that's probably the most important thing when you're dealing with a product organization is to just be flexible and allow them to do the things that they want to do and not get in their way. API access to everything so that if they don't want to use your GUI, they can basically just use an API and get all you know the data out. Those are all very important when you're dealing with product organizations. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. And uh, I'll kind of one last question, uh, and then we'll we'll kind of wrap it up here. But but you mentioned before that that SignalFX really kind of serves a double purpose uh, as an application intelligence solution. Uh, we we've been kind of watching lots of uh, the up and coming SaaS applications uh, th- through the show and through the industry, and most of the applications they emerge. Uh, up until now, tend to be more of a single purpose. They they just do logging, or they just do performance monitoring, or they just do a, you know a level of application intelligence. And, and and so what I'm wondering is, are you hearing from customers that that some consolidation of these functions is actually needed? Because will we will we reach a point where we'll have you know SaaS sprawl? Right. Um, and and will there be eventually a consolidation of these functions? And is this kind of the next step of, of SaaS applications? Well, I think the difference with SaaS compared to traditional enterprise apps is, you know, there are more standard ways of getting data in and data out. And all of us tend to have API access. And so it's a little bit simpler than it would have been in the uh, older days when you had to do uh, complex ETL and stuff to move data between different systems. Um, so I, I don't know that SaaS Prawl is as big of a problem as um, as some might say it is. I, I would say on the, the question of our solution, what we found is that there's a, a definite progression where people start using us for basic monitoring. So get all your infrastructure metrics in, start getting your core application metrics in, start to draw insights into the patterns and what you should monitor and uh, so on, but then by virtue of having this really powerful streaming analytics solution available, it's sometimes interesting to correlate higher level metrics. You know, where if you want to see how many times certain APIs have been called and by what users, uh, and correlate that to infrastructure metrics, to for example, cost to get a cost assessment of who are my most expensive customers. Like you can do that when you have a solution like SignalFX. So why not add that additional set of metrics so you can start to correlate user activity to underlying infrastructure to start to understand which customers are driving your cost the most, right? Yep, um, yep. It's, it's really easy to do that once you have all the other metrics in. And so it's, it's kind of the natural progression. Um, so, and we haven't really seen a whole lot of, uh, most people are still focused on the monitoring part of the problem. And that's largely where most of our customers are as well. But we see them very quickly starting to add these other elements, um, you know, as they get comfortable with the service. Yeah. And really, as we kind of really move to this next generation of applications, that actually is a really key point going forward, because how we measure cost really does fundamentally change. Is it cost per transaction? Is it cost per API call? Like at the end of the day, what is driving the cost to the applications really does change because we're not necessarily, oh, we're going to you know buy some infrastructure and this infrastructure costs X number of dollars and we have to depreciate it over Y number of years. And it, like, it really is the, the models of how we measure uh, everything financially is probably the one of the biggest trends that I've seen here in the last year year or two with without a doubt yeah absolutely it's very very common we've got you know customers who ask questions like if i double my user base is my infrastructure cost going to increase linearly or do i get some um you know some leverage as we grow our customer base 
which customers are, you know, taxing the infrastructure in unusual ways so that I can figure out, do I need to charge them more? I mean, these are common questions for SaaS applications uh, in giving them a place where they can correlate uh, those user activity metrics against their infrastructure metrics allows them to start answering those questions. Well, uh, Karthik, thank you very much for your time th- this evening, and we're going to kind of close it out here. But before we do, uh, where can everyone um, follow you, follow up with you, ask you more questions, and kind of dig into SignalFX? Yeah, well, so we have a lot of information on our website, signalfx.com, uh, including all our documentation on our products. So if folks are interested in using our service, I'd, I'd point them there. If anyone uh, has any questions for me, you can just email me at uh, karthik at signalfx.com. Awesome. Thank you very much. Okay, everyone, if you like the show, please tell a friend and, and please leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at the Net or on the web at thecloudcast.net, where you can find links to everything Cloudcast. Uh, On behalf of Brian and myself for this evening, thank you very much for your time, and we'll talk to everyone soon. Take care.